This is day 21 of our daily Bible reading. We will read Exodus chapters 31 through 34 and Psalm chapter 21. Lord God, thank you for this new day. Thank you for refreshing us with your grace and with your mercy. We are grateful for the mercy that you've given us in our lives. It is giving us something better than we deserve. And we deserve nothing but death. We deserve nothing but separation from you. Today, Lord, we recognize how far short we fall of your standards. But yet you have still called your people to yourself. And for that, we are eternally grateful. And the least that we can do is like Paul says in Romans 12, to make ourselves as living sacrifices. So help us, Lord, to see clearly what you want us to learn in your word today. And guide us as we enter into the world that needs you so much, that we may be salt and light. Please bless the reading of your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship, to make artistic designs for work in gold, in silver, and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones for settings, and in the carving of wood, that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. And behold, I myself have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all who are skillful I have put skill, that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, and the ark of testimony, and the mercy seat upon it, and all the furniture of the tent, the table also and its utensils, and the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering also, with all its utensils, and the laver and its stand, the woven garments as well, and the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons with which to carry on their priesthood, the anointing oil also, and the fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them according to all that I have commanded you. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths, For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day, There is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath, to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day, He ceased from labor and was refreshed. 
When he had finished speaking with him upon Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written by the finger of God. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a god who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once, for your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then, leave me alone, that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses entreated the Lord his God, and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people? whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians speak, saying, With evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains, and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger, and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by yourself, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens, and all this land of which I have spoken I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets which were written on both sides. They were written on one side and the other. The tablets were God's work, and the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. Now when Joshua heard the sound of the people, as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a sound of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of the cry of triumph, 
nor is it the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. It came about, as soon as Moses came near the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger burned, and he threw the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf which they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it over the surface of the water and made the sons of Israel drink it. Then Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such great sin upon them? Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord burn. You know the people yourself that they are prone to evil. For they said to me, Make a God for us who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them tear it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Now when Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him. He said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Every man of you Put his sword upon his thigh, and go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp, and kill every man his brother, and every man his friend, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed, and about three thousand men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Dedicate yourselves today to the Lord. For every man has been against his son and against his brother, in order that he may bestow a blessing upon you today. On the next day, Moses said to the people, You yourselves have committed a great sin, and now I am going up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas! This people has committed a great sin, and they have made a god of gold for themselves. But now, if you will, forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out from your book which you have written. The Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. But go now, lead the people where I told you. Behold, My angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sin. Then the Lord smote the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, 
the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning, and none of them put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the sons of Israel, You are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment? I would destroy you. Now therefore put off your ornaments from you, that I may know what I shall do with you. So the sons of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about, whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I, and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. 
Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about, while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now the Lord said to Moses, Cut out for yourself two stone tablets, like the former ones, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets, which you shattered. So be ready by morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No man is to come up with you, nor let any man be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and the herds may not graze in front of that mountain. So he cut out two stone tablets, like the former ones, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him. And he took two stone tablets in his hand. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Moses made haste to bow low toward the ground and worship. He said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst, even though the people are so obstinate, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your own possession. Then God said, Behold, I am going to make a covenant. Before all your people I will perform miracles which have not been produced in all the earth, nor among any of the nations. And all the people among whom you live will see the working of the Lord, for it is a fearful thing that I am going to perform with you. Be sure to observe what I am commanding you this day. Behold, I am going to drive out the Amorite before you, and the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Watch yourself, that you make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land into which you are going, or it will become a snare in your midst. But rather, you are to tear down their altars, and smash their sacred pillars, and cut down their ashram. For you shall not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Otherwise, you might make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they would play the harlot with their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and someone might invite you to eat of his sacrifice, and you might take some of his daughters for your sons, and his daughters might play the harlot with their gods and cause your sons also 
to play the harlot with their gods. You shall make for yourself no molten gods. You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For seven days you are to eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you, at the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in the month of Abib you came out of Egypt. The first offspring from every womb belongs to me, and all your male livestock, the first offspring from cattle and sheep. You shall redeem with a lamb the first offspring from a donkey, and if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. You shall redeem all the firstborn of your sons. None shall appear before me empty-handed. You shall work six days, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during plowing time and harvest you shall rest. You shall celebrate the Feast of Weeks, that is, the first fruits of the wheat harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering at the turn of the year. Three times a year all your males are to appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your borders, and no man shall covet your land when you go up three times a year to appear before the Lord your God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor is the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover to be left over until morning. You shall bring the very first of the first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did not eat bread or drink water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from that mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel what he had commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him. Psalm chapter 21 for the choir director, a psalm of David. O Lord, in your strength the king will be glad, 
and in your salvation, how greatly he will rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire, and you have not withheld the request of his lips. Selah. For you meet him with the blessings of good things. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. He asked life of you. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you place upon him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with gladness in your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will devour them. Their offspring you will destroy from the earth, and their descendants from among the sons of men. Though they intended evil against you and devised a plot, they will not succeed. For you will make them turn their back. You will aim with your bowstrings at their faces. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. Okay, today was a fascinating read, so let's explore what we study today. In chapter 31, we show that God appointed two people to be the master builders of all the things that he had told Moses to build. So he just basically downloaded all of this skill and all this knowledge into these men, giving them all the inspiration and designs they needed in order to fulfill his purpose. He activated all these people to his service, and God is able to do that at any time because he is sovereign. So after that, he again reminds them about the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath does have a physical purpose to it, right? No one is supposed to work seven days a week. So indeed, the seventh day is intended for mankind to rest and recuperate, as well as to spend time thinking upon the things that God has done. But what is going to be brought up later in Israel's history, but this establishing of the sign of the Sabbath is going to be of a spiritual nature. The prophets are later going to use the Sabbath as an indicator of the spiritual condition of the nation of Israel. So if they are observing the Sabbath, they are being obedient. They are in tune to what God desires. But if they are not observing the Sabbath, then that kind of tells you right there where their spiritual state is, that they don't really care about the things of God. So this is going to come up later in the history of the nation. Now, after he says that, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, two tablets of stone that were written by God's finger himself. He must have had perfect handwriting because he's God, but it really makes you wonder what his handwriting is like. I don't know what it would look like, but it's interesting to think about. But it doesn't last long, right? Unfortunately, he gets to the bottom of the mountain with these tablets in hand, and he sees what the nation of Israel did 
they made an idol right off the bat after receiving in an audible voice the Ten Commandments themselves, they go and they make a molten calf with all the gold that they had in their possession. Aaron thought he was doing the right thing. He perhaps had a misunderstanding of how God operates because he came from Egypt. And in Egypt, they worshipped figures and symbols that represented a god. And so maybe to him, the molten calf was an illustration of God himself. But Aaron is in great error here, and he has led the people astray by not only listening to their complaints, but going along with it and making this calf. And it seems like later on when Moses confronts him that he doesn't even admit that he messed up. It's really sad, especially considering that he is going to be the high priest of Israel. But beyond just the idolatry, it mentions something else in here that we need to understand. It says in verse 6 that the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. Okay, that's fine. I mean, if they thought they were sacrificing to the Lord, misunderstanding, right? But then what did they do? They sat down to eat and to drink, and then they rose up to play. That is a very delicate way to say it in English. But in the Hebrew, it is mentioning orgies. It is talking about a sex party. So this is most offensive, as we can understand, and the Lord is furious with what he saw. So he tells him to see what the people are doing and then to leave him alone because he's going to roll up his sleeves and he is going to destroy the Israelites. And yet he is going to keep his covenant through Moses. Through Moses, I will start a new nation and they will be holy to me. But then you see something here that is a beautiful illustration of not only Jesus Christ, but also what we as Christians should be doing with the lost world. He stands between God and Israel and defends Israel. He intercedes for them. He entreats the Lord. He says, Lord, why are you so angry with your people? You brought them out of Egypt with your great power. You don't want the Egyptians saying that you just brought them out to kill us. If you do this thing, Lord, you are going to make yourself look bad. You are not going to be glorified in this, Lord. So I don't think you should do it. Remember the covenants that you made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You promised them that you were going to lead their descendants into the promised land, and that you were going to establish them as a nation. Remember the promises that you made, Lord. And then it says in verse 14 that God chose to relent. It's not that he changed his mind, because in my translation it does say that he changed his mind. This statement is poorly translated, because what it is doing is giving us the impression that God goes back on what he says. When this is not true, God is immutable. He does not change his mind. For someone to change their mind, that means their first decision was not the right one. And with God, that's simply not possible. 
So how is it that he can change his mind if he's perfect? The whole reason he's doing this is, yes, he is angry, but his primary reason for doing this is to test Moses, to measure his growth and his maturity, to see if he is ready for the next step. And indeed, Moses passes the test with flying colors. He is ready for the next step. I've had this happen to me so often in my life, where God puts me in the trenches of life. He puts me in difficult situations. He puts me in areas where I'm uncomfortable. And he causes me to learn new skills or experience something that I will need in the future. And then he evaluates me. And when he sees that I have accomplished what he has tested me on, if he feels that I am ready for the next step, then he puts me into a situation where I will use it. And then he has caused me to prosper. That has been the pattern of my life. And not everyone's may be this way, but it seems like Moses and I have that in common. Because bear in mind who Moses was a few chapters ago before going into Egypt and performing the plagues. He was a coward. He was trying to dodge everything that God said. He did not repent of his ways and was afraid to do God's will. But now you see no hesitation in him. You see him taking full responsibility, and you see him zealous for the things of God. He's come a very long way and God is pleased with what he sees in Moses. And my hope is that God is pleased with what he sees in us. And if we are not pleasing in his sight, then we need to be. We need to fix that. It's within our power to do, to choose to obey God over man, or to please ourselves. So no, he did not change his mind but he relented from doing what he said he would do because Moses passed the test. So Moses went down, he saw the calf, and he was so angry that he broke the tablets that God wrote with his fingers. That must have been hard to recover from, because if I'm not mistaken, the next set are not written by God, but are written by Moses. And in Moses' anger, he burns down this calf and causes the people of Israel to drink the gold mixed with the water. And then we see the part where Aaron takes no responsibility and blames the people. And then Moses says, all right, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites come. This is the tipping point for this tribe. Remember who represented them at the beginning, who their patriarch is. This is Levi, one of two brothers who murdered a whole group of people because of what they did to his sister. And so that is a legacy that is hard to recover from. But then you come here and you see only the Levites step forward in order to do what God wills. And what God wills is whoever decided this was a good idea to build this molten calf, they need to die. Kill them. And they went and they did it. This is going to distinguish the Levites forever. This decision that they went as one mind, as one people, to do the will of God 
is going to cause God to bless them in such a magnificent way. They are going to be the people who stand before God in the temple. They are going to be separated as God's chosen tribe for his service. So this is a huge deal in what they did, and they don't realize it yet, but God is going to definitely reward them and use that zeal for his purpose. After this, Moses goes back up the mountain and talks to God again. And when he returns to the Lord, he asks him to forgive the people. And if he's not willing to forgive the people, that he will take the brunt of it for them. He again is interceding with his own life for the sake of the people. That is why you see many times the same typography in Moses as you would see in Jesus Christ. Moses is basically the Jesus of the Old Testament, except that he is not God at all. He is a holy man, and he is righteous in his day. And he definitely has a lot of patterns that match up exactly with what Jesus did. But then God says, no, whoever is sinning against me, I will blot him out of my book, meaning that everyone is accountable for their own sin. You cannot stand in the way of somebody else's sin and take the punishment for them. Every person is responsible for themselves, which is something that the Catholics, I don't think, understand. Because this is an Old Testament understanding that you can't appease the sin of someone else. You can't speed up someone's punishment in an imaginary place called purgatory. That is simply nowhere in the Bible and is an invention of man. But nonetheless, the Lord forgives the people. The people seem to repent, and then they carry on. Now, it mentions in verse 7 of chapter 33 that Moses used to go into a tent and pitch it outside the camp, and it was called the Tent of Meeting. Again, this is before the tabernacle was made, so this is where Moses would go to talk with God. And every time he went into there by himself, then you would see the cloud go to the temple, and God would hang out with Moses. He would talk like they were friends. That's really interesting. But guess what? We share that with Moses. We are able to enter into a conversation with God like we are friends with him. Did you know that? You know what that's called, right? That's called prayer. Prayer is where you can go directly to the throne of God and speak with him directly. That is something that the Old Testament people simply could not do because the veil in the Holy of Holies was not cut yet. There was still a barrier between man and God. That's why priests were necessary. They were the ones that would stand between man and God. But now that Jesus Christ has died for our sins and rose from the dead, that veil is torn. There is no more separation between God's children and their Heavenly Father. Praise God for that reality. So we do have the opportunity to speak to God face-to-face anytime we desire. And we should do it often. It is so underutilized, even in my own life. My prayer life stinks sometimes, and yet I know it is the best thing for me. 
So I'm sinning when I don't pray to God enough. I know that. But I'm working on it, and I hope you are too. Now, halfway through the chapter, Moses requests of God that he see him. He wants to witness God's full glory. And God said, well, you can't handle my full glory, buddy, but I can definitely show you some of it. And so he gives this illustration about how he's going to cover his face with his hand and his backside is going to pass by, and then you can gaze upon that as he passes by. This must be some kind of physical manifestation that we don't comprehend. Because again, God is spirit. He doesn't have a body. And yet he can reveal himself in a physical way should he choose to. And that's what we typically call the angel of the Lord. So in this way, it seems that God did that with Moses and allowed him to see a glimpse of his glory. But he could not see the full thing. But here's a couple of statements that come through this chapter that are fully fulfilled during the time of Jesus. In verse 14, God says that his presence will go with you and I will give you rest. This is Jesus speaking here. Can't you see it? Can't you see this is Jesus talking to Moses here? And then Moses appeals to God that he may go with his people and be among them. Jesus was among his people, and he is going to be among us again in heaven. So in a way, God answered his request in his own timing. And then Moses got another fulfillment in the time of Jesus. In verse 18, Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And what happens during the time of Jesus? The transfiguration, where God went up to the mountain, he revealed his glorified self, and who was standing there with him? Elijah and Moses. Moses got to see it for himself. And so, how amazing that is, that God is faithful, even in the small things like that. And then we have an illustration of grace. Verse 19, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. This is all his sovereign grace at play. God didn't have to do any of this, but he chose to with Moses. He doesn't do it with everyone, but he did it with Moses. Then we come to chapter 34, which the whole chapter is about renewing the covenant with the people of Israel. God illustrates who he is very clearly in this chapter. He explains his character, that he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. He keeps loving kindness for thousands. He forgives iniquity, transgression, and sins. And he will by no means let the guilty stay unpunished. He visits the iniquity to other generations. And then Moses shows reverence to him, and God introduces the covenant one more time. He again reminds them a lot of the same stuff he had already told them, such as to obey him, to observe the Sabbath, to observe the Passover, utterly destroy all the Canaanites, not to make relationships with them, not to intermarry with them, 
not to make alliances with them, but to completely, utterly destroy them. Otherwise, they will be led astray, and they will no longer worship God. He tells them that straight up. That is why he's doing it. He does not want their evil influences to infiltrate God's holy people. He reminds them that all the firstborns belong to God, as well as a few other small portions of the covenant that he insists need to be followed. And then we see another comparison of Moses and Jesus in verse 28. It says that Moses was with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights, and he did not eat or drink anything. That's the same thing with Jesus. He was in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights with God, and then he got hungry. That comparison is very obvious. Now this time around, it said that Moses wrote down the Ten Commandments on the tablets. So we don't get to see God's perfect handwriting, unfortunately, but the Ten Commandments are now in Moses' handwriting. Now when he got down from the mountain, Moses did not notice that his face was glowing. It was radiating. It was shining God's holiness on it. Moses was reflecting the glory of God. And so the people were afraid to look at him because God is so holy that evil cannot look at it. And so when Moses wasn't going to speak to the people, he would wear a veil to not freak everybody out and to conceal God's holiness. But anytime he spoke, he was speaking as if it was directly from God, because it was. And therefore, his face shining made sense. It was a physical illustration of the holiness of God through his prophet Moses. And this now leads us into Psalm chapter 21. This is a psalm of David that is a psalm of thanksgiving. He is showing his gratitude to the Lord. He understands that the kingdom that he rules over was established by God, and God brought him this far and has appointed him as the king. Again, sovereignty at play here. Then he talks about the anticipation that the people need to have of further success from their king through God. He then gives more praise to the Lord, as you can imagine, and part of this language, especially in verses 4 through 6, seems to illustrate something that is going to happen with Christ. He asked life of you, you gave it to him, length of days, forever and ever. And you hear about that when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. So some of this can be interpreted as us as Christians, the benefits we get from being in God's presence. But some of this can be understood in a messianic way as well. You could also, in a sense, cause verses 10 through 12 to be messianic as well, because when Jesus returns the second time, he is going to cause judgment to fall upon all evildoers. There will be a swift justice that will be done. Yet at the same time, it also says that we are to leave room for the wrath of God in our own lives, that we are not to take our own personal vengeance. So you can also understand it both ways as well. It's a dual application here. The scripture to memorize for today is going to be Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. And he said, 
My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. This is the same understanding of when Jesus came and told his people to believe in him, and he will give them rest. This is the same God. And to be clear, when it's talking about rest, it's talking about a spiritual rest. You will have the peace of God that is beyond all understanding. There will be no internal strife going on where you are at war with the flesh within you. The peace that God provides is supernatural, and the world does not understand it. But if you place your faith and your commitment in the presence of God, he will give you rest. We do this by being obedient to him and seeking him in prayer and in the scriptures. My prayer for you is that you will find rest in God today, if you haven't already. Even those that have tasted the goodness of the Lord need to be reminded of this, because we are an obstinate people, just like the people of Israel, and we drift off so often. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.